2024 four-star quarterback Michael Van Buren commits on Saturday, May 20th. And Oregon looks pretty good. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. We just hit 2,500 on YouTube, and I'm very grateful to all of you for making that happen and to Bird Dogs for sponsoring today's episode, which is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college, and when you enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. So this, everybody, is Brian Smith. He is our Locked On Network <laughs> recruiting insider, guru, expert, whatever you want to call him. He's been <laughs> on the recruiting prowl since... Uh, I'll, I'll just say before I was born, he's been around the block. So welcome him, everybody. <laughs> Brian, it's great to have you at the, at the network, and it's great to have you here on the show as well. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, I am uh, going to turn 50 this year, so I've probably probably seen some players before you were born. Yes, that is a fact. <laughs> I think that's uh, probably true. But we're all looking at the same players now. One of them is Michael Van Buren, four-star quarterback, quarterback, as in signal caller, ball thrower, pass thrower, whatever you want to call it and whatnot, just so we uh, don't get our positions crossed up here. But he's committing on, on Saturday, Brian, and he's a guy we've talked about for a while here on the show, and it seems like Oregon is in a pretty good position here. Everything I've heard – is leaning towards the Ducks. And the sure telltale sign is, is a very simple one. For as long as I followed recruiting, and it goes back to about 1990, the papers around Penn State are pretty homerish, and they're leaning towards the Ducks. Without even going in deep, that tells you something. And then I, a couple of the people I spoke to, sources also think Ducks. Now, kids can shock you, don't get me wrong. Just because a newspaper or some source I have Kid could change his mind tomorrow. Always remember, these are 17-year-olds. Mm -hmm. But uh, as far as the player himself, if you just like football and you want to be entertained for five minutes, throw on that young man's huddle film. <laughs> he is tremendous, and he could play running back or slot if he wasn't a quarterback. And they want a mobile kid behind center. So Lanning's – he already got mobile, who we'll talk about here in a minute. But, man, Dan Buren's a dude. And, and, and he could help change your program. Yeah, and, and he's a guy who would come in alongside Luke Moga in the 2024 cycle. Oregon has taken two quarterbacks in a high school recruiting class before, but I feel like it's not super common, Brian. What, what do you right. make of the Ducks kind of going potentially, if, if he does end up committing to Oregon, with, with two quarterbacks in the 2024 cycle? There are a couple rules of thumb with this. Number one, this is what I personally like to call the transfer portal era. You're never going to have more than three quarterbacks on your roster for very long. It's just true. So it's just take as many good players as you can and, and let the chips fall where they may. For example, look at Ohio State. They could care less. Whoever ends up being the guy with the ball at the end, and somebody transfers every year, but they're doing just fine on offense. I think everybody's kind of following that lead. And if Oregon, you know, obviously they're going to have a senior quarterback this year. He's done. 
we have no idea what's going to happen next spring, but somebody's going to win that job. And I'll bet you my bottom dollar that somebody on Oregon's current roster transfers because they didn't end up number one. Anybody wants to go against that? There's my Twitter handle right there. I'll be glad to take your money. So th this is the same thing for anybody. It's not just Coach Lanning at Oregon. So if you take two, one of them is one of them probably going to leave. Absolutely. But again, you, you don't worry about the name. You just worry about getting up to par and you're trying to beat Georgia and Alabama. That's everybody's goal. And to get there, you would just need talent. So this kid fits their scheme. He's tremendous. And it also helps where he's at too. that program, St. Francis for people that don't, I mean, that's top 10 program nationally. And they have another kid from there that's committed to Oregon. So, I think they're trying to, A, establish a pipeline, but it's just the fit and may the best man win. Yeah, you mentioned the the portal, and I want to touch on that real sec, and we'll hop back over to the uh, the quarterback position. So Oregon recently added a cornerback, hence my distinction from earlier, uh, via the transfer <laughs> portal from Colorado, uh, once again, that being Nico Reed. In, in your time covering him and then watching him at, at Colorado, what do you feel like the Ducks are are getting there in the former in the former buff? They're getting several things. Number one is experience. Uh, he's a kid that was, I mean, not that Colorado was loaded by any means. Anybody that knows the Pac-12. They, the the they were the opposite of loaded. That, that is kind. But a couple of things stood out. Number one, he made plays for them in a category that you don't really think about with corners. He had two and a half tackles for loss. He had a sack. He had a couple of picks. He had, I think he was the leading tackler amongst the DBs for them. He's a physical kid. Anytime you can get somebody like that who can also cover, that's a big thumbs up. He's also from Oakland, and that's an area, if you're a Ducks fan, you probably know. They've always recruited like Sacramento, Oakland, San Francisco Bay Area very well. So getting another kid basically kind of go home because you, know, like you and I talked about it off air. Oregon doesn't sign a whole lot of kids that are Oregonians. I mean, there aren't well, a lot just of aren't that many. That's, that's 100%. So what's the next best thing? They hit Seattle, they hit San Francisco, they hit L.A., and then they kind of scour the country after that. But that's their home base is, is the greater Bay Area. To me, they should always get two or three kids from there that are darn good players, and they usually do. This is a very big win for them. They need DB help. Everybody needs DB help. Hell, Georgia needs DB help. It's the hardest spot to get. There is no such thing as a depth chart there because you can never have enough with everybody running four and five wide receivers out. Yeah, Oregon's got got ten scholarship cornerbacks now going into next year with varying levels of experience. Some true freshmen, portal guys, returners, and whatnot. So they they're going to have, I think, a pretty open competition battle. And I agree with what you said. I think there are situations, you know, against pass happy teams like Washington or oh, USC, yeah. where you need to have at least three, maybe four corners on the field, and you're only going with uh, maybe one or two safeties, depending on on what on what yeah, you're looking yeah. at there. And when they go no no huddle, what does that mean for the corners and the safeties? They're gassed by right. halftime. If you don't have – and I know that what I'm about to say is not realistic, but it's exactly what you need. You need six corners that are good enough to at least go to the NFL combine and get playing against USC. Nobody has six corners that are going to the combine. That's why they run the scheme they do. It makes it impossible because they're just, they don't have enough ability to chase that long. It's harder to play defense than offense because they know where they're going. You don't, so you're always a step behind. It's hard, man. So Lanning was smart to take this kid. He's experienced. And again, may the best man win. If he beats somebody out, somebody transfers, oh, well, this is my spot. I earned it. And I'm sure Lanning's going to look at it that way at every spot.
Yeah, and, and I think that the, the number of bodies you have in the cornerback room, you're, you're going to see the cream kind of rise to the to to the top there because you have a pretty good uh, amount of talent in that room as well. Dante Manning, former five star recruit, who we're all still you know waiting to to pop and realize his potential. Triquez Bridges, great second half of last year. Kyrie Jackson comes over from Alabama. Cole Martin looked great in the spring game. You got two more talented true freshmen coming in. Now you got Nico Reed. Julia Florence had a great year. Like every single one of those guys, you can make the case for them being a, a starting corner. And I think Reed can uh, fit into that fold. But if, I, I've got a fascinating question for you uh, with, with regards to Luke Moga. And Moga is a guy who seems like he is – uh, quite the underrated athlete in in some yeah. sense, kind of like how bird dog shorts are underrated. And you should all go get yours now because summer is uh, basically here. We're in the middle of May, depending on where you live. It may feel like summer more some places than others, but bird dog shorts are tremendously versatile, ridiculously comfortable. They fit really nicely. You don't need a belt. You don't need to tie. You don't need none of that. You just got to put them on. You can take them for a swim. You can take them out on a hike. You can take them anywhere that you want they look great they feel great and they work great as well go to birddogs.com slash locked on college and when you enter promo code locked on college they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs yeti style tumbler with every order that's birddogs.com slash locked on college promo code locked on college all caps one word to get that free custom bird dogs yeti style tumbler with every order All right, Brian, here's my uh, question that came in via the mailbag, which you know you can all be a part of YouTube comments or Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. On the two quarterbacks front, I thought this was an Oregon or an interesting question from Oregon Man 22. Random thought for the show, but is Moga maybe coming in as possibly a receiver recruit because of playing that position before coming uh, becoming a quarterback and, and just his speed as well? It's not as if we haven't seen players do that before. Braxton, sure. Braxton Miller, for instance, at Ohio State comes to mind, started as a quarterback, eventually became a, a receiver, so maybe it wouldn't be instant. Maybe it could happen da down the line. I, I tend to think that Moga is going to be more in the DTR camp where he switched to quarterback for a reason because that, that's what he wants to play. But what, what do you kind of make of you know Moga coming from the wide receiver position and, and his athleticism? I've studied him extensively. He's one of my favorite underrated recruits. Forget the position for a second. He can fly. And he made some kids just flat out look bad last year. And he needed to do that because his offensive line was terrible. He was running for his life quite often. And he had several times where he hit the corner and a defender had the angle and physically did not make contact with him. This is a kid that runs something like 10-8 and 100, 10-9 and 100, something like that. There aren't a lot of quarterbacks that can do that. And he has also got some wiggle. So could he end up being a slot receiver or something? Absolutely. Does he have his heart in it? And that's what your point was. I think you and I are on the same page here. I want to be a quarterback. Okay. But if he goes to Oregon and it doesn't work out, like let's say Van Buren signs with the Ducks and he's legitimately beaten out by him, then, okay, look, son, you're not good enough to start college. You're not going to be an NFL guy. That's going to be the conversation that could come into play at some point. Maybe he does. He's athletically gifted enough to do it. So why not? But, again, that, that's, that's a conversation piece for down the road. It's just something that 
hey, man, it, it's happened at numerous schools. Why not at Oregon? So uh, another question that came in from uh, my guy, Blazer Duck, an everydayer out there who sends in more questions than literally anybody else who watches the show, and I appreciate all of you out there who, who do that, Blazer Duck included, is something you touched on. Is He, he feels, and I kind of felt this way after watching his high school film, or at least his, his highlight film, you have access to more of that sort of stuff than, than I do, hence why we bring someone of your caliber on the show. But you said you feel like he's an underrated recruit as a three-star at the quarterback position. Do you think he's still going to have that designation by the time his senior season comes to a close, or do you think he stays in the three-star range? And why do you think a guy who, who's that athletic and has that sort of speed is still not you know, seen as a blue-chip quarterback, quarterback prospect? Number one, he's at the wrong high school. And I know this, this is unfortunate, but this is just how it works, man. Uh, just to give you an example. I, I, I'm down in the Miami area right now scouting – and I was at Miami Norland today. It's a program that has a really good chance to win a state championship this year in Florida. And I literally cannot count off the top of my head how many power five kids they have. It's double digits. There's more kids at Norland than there is in the state of Oregon. On one high school team? Oh, yeah. There's oh, several goodness. like that in South Florida. But Norland probably has about 15 kids that will play power five on their roster from, you know, freshman up. Maybe maybe more, depending. Yeah, Down here, transfers are – very common. That's, that's a foreign concept to Oregonians from a high school standpoint. Yeah, I know that's why I mean, but it's also why Oregon and a lot of schools recruit the Miami area, but that's another another theme. He plays at a program that doesn't have that kind of talent. His passing percentage was pretty low, and one of the reasons is he doesn't have playmakers. If he had the dudes at Norland High School catching passes, his percentage would look a hell of a lot different. There are no two positions in all of sport connected more than receiver and quarterback. And I'm not trying to pick on people, but you got to catch the ball. And sometimes he was running for his life, which didn't help much. And he just throw it away. So his stats are a little goofy, but when you watch the film and watch what he can do, like he can flip his hips when he's rolling left, turn and throw. Look, Oregon, Miami schools like that aren't going to recruit a kid who's a dud. They're just not. And he's a great athlete and he's got an arm. So he's the kind of kid that plays shortstop in baseball. If you're a baseball guy, you know that's where you put your best at. Yep. That's that's the kind of physical attributes Luke Moga has. Um, if he played in Miami, New Orleans, or had that kind of talent, he'd be throwing 65% and he'd be ranked higher. The other problem is, he's, again, he's he's at a program that doesn't win a lot in Phoenix. Phoenix is pretty good football, though. That 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 does help him. He's gotten the, the crap kicked out of him a few times, I'm sure. But that's going to make you stronger. It's going to give you some understanding of, hey, I need to do this, that, and the other. He'll be just fine regardless if he stays a three-star, but I wouldn't bet on it, him going up, just because of where he's at, honestly. I really wouldn't. What do you think he he needs to improve the, the most to kind of be potentially you know, seen as a, as a greater quarterback prospect? I, I like the upside that he, he brings, but – Sure. What 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 else besides the the high school you know not being from a, a huge uh, reputation high school down there in the Phoenix area ha, have kind of held him back from maybe garnering more attention? I think it's it goes back to the O line and the scheme and everything. One of the things most evaluators want to see: hike, traditional drop, traditional throw. They don't have the skill players to do that necessarily. It's a spread, and his offensive line doesn't give him a lot of time. His film is all over the place in terms of how he makes plays. It's very non-traditional. A lot of plays outside the pocket from what yeah. I saw. Yeah, and it's part of it where they design that way, a few. 
but some it's like, I don't want to get crushed. I'm going to run. You know, it's just the way it is. It's hard as hell to grade kids like that because you don't know how well they're going to fit into a structured scheme. And no matter what offense it is at the college and then, of course, the NFL level, it is structure, 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 and multiply that by a billion. That's all they want. They want it, They want a robot to do this, which, you know, it's hard enough as it is. But he can't do that. So it, he's not going to get graded fairly. So I, I, there are some kids that are three stars for a reason. His upside is through the roof, though. And he's absolutely through the roof. So it's kind of up to him. And he'll have real offensive linemen that are really big in Eugene, Oregon. Right. I have faith in that, <laughs> especially <laughs> since a certain guy went like six in the draft, not all that long ago from Oregon. So he'll be fine. He it's out. just going to take a little, a little longer for him to develop. Probably he's going to be shocked that he can sit in the pocket and read the defenses once he gets to Eugene. Well, you know, it, it sounds a lot like Bo Nix, frankly, who came over from Auburn after Auburn running for his block life. Anybody. They, they couldn't, couldn't block, block anybody in the SEC. And then Bo Nix comes to Oregon, sets the single-season completion percentage record, better than Mariota in his Heisman year, even, by like several percentage points. I think Marcus was like around 64 65%. Bo Nix was just a shade under 72, probably because he was back there going, wait, wait a minute, I can just sit here in the pocket for like four, five seconds? and That doesn't then, happen in the SEC. Exactly, <laughs> and then break contain. And even against Georgia, that Oregon offensive line held up. They didn't allow a sack in that game. Of course, the offense was a disaster, so we don't need to relive that. But uh, bottom line, that that sort of change can be a welcome one for for a quarterback for sure. And you know what what I saw on his on his highlight reels, a lot of what you saw, like the plays outside the pocket that he does make, you look at and go, that's an accurate throw 25, 30 yards down the field, back of the end zone, on the move outside the pocket. And, and those sorts of plays, I think, give me a lot of encouraging thoughts which, with regards to what what he could become at, at Oregon. But it, it's coming down, it seems, to you know Moga and then whether or not the Ducks will get Van Buren. We talked about Oregon being in a good spot, it seems, for him. But at one point in time, there was another quarterback I wanted to, to ask you about who was in the mix, and that was Elijah Brown, who is at modern day, a place that Oregon, a school that Oregon has recruited quite well. I remember a point in time when looking at the 2024 quarterback prospects where Elijah Brown was kind of high on Oregon's target list, and he's kind of faded to the background, and it's Moga and now you know uh, Van Buren in there. Do you think that was a scheme thing or, or, or a recruiting thing with regards to why Brown kind of kind of fell out of the picture? Because I, I I really I like Van Buren a lot, but I really liked Elijah Brown as well, and it seemed like that just kind of uh, never materialized. I'll put it to you like this. Quarterback recruiting is different than anything else. It is very relationship built and it usually isn't personal. And I know fans have favorites. Just I'm sure you've got favorites as you're an Oregon fan, et cetera. It just is what it is. It's probably not Oregon's fault because that kid's, by the way, I've watched his film. He is really good. So you don't get to be even the quarterback at modern day. If you're the quarterback of modern day, you're going to play power five. That's pretty much an unwritten rule at this point. There's, there might be an exception about one every five quarterbacks. Maybe he's an FCS kid, but it's going to be pretty rare. I don't know what it is. Maybe he just wants to stay home. Maybe he, he wants to do something totally different. Maybe he wants to go somewhere they have no depth chart. It could be something goofy like that, but my strong guess is he just has better relationships with other coaches. So you know the school that I've heard is Stanford. 
That if he wants to go two and ten for four years, he can do that. <laughs> because with NIL and all that stuff, they have no chance. They're not. right. It, it it seems like they're at the very least, or or perhaps at the very best, a test case in how much you need to be involved in in the portal and NIL now to just have the talent to keep up with 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 other teams. But you Stand. you mentioned you know going to going to programs and you know playing more here versus there. Sure. He could walk on to Stanford's campus next year and probably start as a true freshman play for three years and look tanner mckee and uh who who is uh that davis mills they didn't do they didn't do a whole lot of winning at stanford either but they did a whole lot of playing and showing what they could do they are both now in uh, the nfl mills last i heard was with the texas look I, i look i i didn't understand either one of them either but they're both in the league so there's at least you know a a, a, a ground, uh, not a not a groundswell. A, the days uh, of Stanford being good are over. Well, I think I think for now, they refuse to do NIL, and they they're not going to take transfers. They the the transfer thing I think is more concerning because yeah. if you're yes, talking about you know Stanford's ability to recruit, if you go look at their high school recruiting rankings over the last decade or so, they're probably a lot better than most people would think. But now with the way teams are able to restructure their roster in the portal. You're so reliant on your high school players, not only staying at Stanford, but you're reliant on them developing all kind of at the right time because you can't just fill a need the way even Cal can't. Like Cal has added pieces in the portal. Cal's rebuilt their offensive line. They've added running backs. They took Byron Cardwell in uh, the transfer portal. Their quarterback, Sam Jackson's coming over from TCU. Like I would definitely pick Cal over Stanford and I think it's it's a it's a fascinating uh case study here but anyway this is a Ducks podcast so people are probably tired of uh hearing about Stanford and we've had some great battles and whatnot over the years and I think people are okay with that you know if they turn into the Vanderbilt of the conference everybody's got to have a a a Vanderbilt at at some level right um so last thing on uh the quarterbacks here before we get to some uh non-quarterback recruits Uh, you know for Van Buren and and the offense of Will Stein, you know, Stein at UTSA had Frank Harris, who's like a decently mobile guy. He's going to have Bo Nix, who we know is a very mobile quarterback. How would you see Van Buren's skill set translating into the, the, the Will Stein offense? I don't see why it wouldn't work because it's, look, Bo Nix is a hell of an athlete. Okay. Oregon's been blessed. And like you, you properly mentioned, he survived Auburn. Yeah. I mean, they didn't sign an offensive tackle for like three years. No BS. Like a pure offensive tackle. They didn't sign a tackle for three years? Something like that. It was insane. Now, they got a few it, it's an old strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out for them. <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> now, by the way, when your two primary rivals are Alabama and Georgia, I let your mind wonder how that's going to go. Yeah. Who does a better job of recruiting D linemen in those two schools? Specifically edge players. And the answer is nobody. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why they don't beat either of those schools. I mean, not that anybody really does, but I mean, they got bludgeoned because of it. Um, I think that Van Buren has a lot of advantages. And it, part of it starts with being at St. Francis. They're very well coached. That's going to help him tremendously adjust the collegiate level. And I don't think the offense that he's running now in high school at St. Francis is really going to be that difficult to transition to at Oregon. Now it's going to be bigger. Um, that, this is why quarterback recruiting and evaluation suck. No matter how much you do them, 
because I can only evaluate what I see you do on the field. But 90% of what I need to evaluate you on, I'm not allowed to see. And that's you in the office with the coach on the chalkboard. Right. It's just not – that's why quarterback recruiting is awful when you look at, like, projecting to the NFL. It's insane, like, how many top five guys coming out by 247 or whatever don't even sniff the National Football League, and they have a howitzer for an arm. It's because it's a, above the shoulder position. There's no way to do it. But Van Buren has the, as good a chance as anybody to adapt. It wouldn't even matter what scheme he went to. He could go to Michigan's offense, which would be a waste of his talent in my opinion, because they're so run heavy, but he would figure it out. I don't even care what offense Oregon could change tomorrow. If you're taking a St. Francis kid, you'll be fine. want to close with a couple of, of non-quarterback recruits, because there is more than just the quarterback position going on on the recruiting front, which may come as a surprise to some, uh, but perhaps not all. And a couple of you had asked me questions about this sort of stuff, because Oregon's visitor list for the spring game was – as impressive as they've yeah. maybe ever had. And it looked, the, sure. the, the game was great. The defense looked really good. The crowd was awesome. They were shouting, which always just makes me, and I know all of you out there that were at the game or watching, just, just happy to watch them uh, shouting back at Autzen Stadium. It just kind of feels right. Are there a couple names that, that post-spring game non-quarterback are, are standing out to you at, at this point in time for the Ducks? Um. Williams DeWarney is the kid from Kansas City who's is twitchy, athletic, and just flat out it's not fair that they have a chance to get. He's arguably the best player in the country. He's certainly in the conversation. He's in everybody's top ten. Once you're at that point, I, I, don't, I don't really care what your ranking is. His offer list is unique, but part of the reason that I like Oregon's chances, he's got some – not real shocking visits lined up, but he has Oregon last. He has Oregon when they play Colorado. And you and I both know that Colorado is probably going to be bludgeoned in that game. And the fans we hope um, if they're not, there's other problems you and I will yep, be discussing yeah, yeah. at that point. <laughs> we will throw recruiting right. aside and we will dive into what in the hell just happened. Yes. But <laughs> that is not a podcast we need to be doing. But the fact of the matter is, he is looking at schools this summer, like four visits, but he has Oregon in, in the fall. Lanning has a plan. Like, he's not a dumb guy. He's, he's a defensive-minded guy anyway. Mm-hmm. That's my wild card pick. Like, everybody thinks he's going to Oklahoma. They've recruited Missouri well for 100 years. But why hasn't he committed yet? Why is he taking five visits? And why is Oregon getting the last one? I'm doing a lot of guessing here, but, I mean, it's just very odd that Oregon, and it's the one school that doesn't fit with everybody else that's recruiting him is getting a visit. Right. It's like they're a complete outlier. So maybe I'm dead wrong, but I I, I would watch the Ducks very closely. Um, here, 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 here's the other reason I'm I, I'm intrigued by this. You look at the, the visitor lineup, and it's all geographical, like you said, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Missouri, Georgia, in that footprint. He's from, you know, kind of the Kansas City, Missouri area. Oregon is indeed the big outlier. Everything else is SEC or uh, the, the South at, at the very least with uh, schools like uh, Georgia Tech are kind of in, in that region. All of his visits are in June, except Oregon, which is in September. Uh, and for those of you who want to look this guy up, his name is Williams Nwaneri. We, we hope we're saying that correctly. It's N-W-A-N-E-R-I. 
But the other thing that intrigues me about this guy is he's from the Kansas City, Missouri area, which is also where Dan Lanning is from originally. Born just north of Kansas City, played at Jewel College in the state of Missouri. I I I, I think if if you're fe- if you got that feeling about him, I I could totally see the the stars just kind of aligning there. Like it's something, right? Like like it like it's if he commits it happens in July, every year. They exactly. get somebody like that every year. Why not him? Exactly. And if he commits in July or August before he ever takes a visit to Oregon, it, you know, I mean, it would just be a verbal at that point. So maybe Oregon can still get a, a That's visit. That's the if, other part of it. Do you really right. think Dan Lanning's going to stop recruiting him if he no. calls Oklahoma or what you picked this school? Hell no. Of course not. No. You know, I, he's I, an NFL player. You recruit him until he tells you I'm getting a restraining order. Yeah. And he's. So. Uh, got about the same measurables looks like as Kayvon Thibodeau had coming out of oh, high yeah. school. It's, I mean, his wingspan's ridiculous. He's a guy that could play strong side, weak side. On third and eight, you can move him to three tech and make a guard's life miserable. He's all that in a bag of chips. Six five two fifty. Uh, that's about what Thibodeau was coming out of uh, high school. But uh, another guy that's kind of popped up onto Oregon's radar is four-star defensive lineman Zadavian Sims, who. A little bit like Nuaneri has has yeah. has a, a peculiar list of interested parties. Look, man, say. I have I have followed recruiting my whole life. You could make an incredibly strong argument. This list of schools is the weirdest final five I've ever seen. Go ahead and list them off, man. Like TCU, Vanderbilt, I mean Vanderbilt, Michigan State, Oklahoma, and Oregon. There's no way in the hell anybody could predict that. No. I, I, You've got, correct me if I'm wrong, four different conferences here and five different schools in five different states in five different parts of the country. Michigan is not, or Michigan State is not close to Oklahoma, which is not Oklahoma and TCU, I guess, are kind of close. And that's the only one. Vanderbilt is all the way out east. Oregon is is all the way out west. But you think the Ducks have a shot here? They absolutely do. And it's the same kind of thing with them, man. the old saying, if it's not broke, don't fix it. They do a really good job with visits. Um, I live in Florida, and a lot of the kids here in Florida are even intrigued by Oregon. It's not necessarily a good fit, but they at least want to visit. And if you get a kid on campus, you've got a shot. So he's a kid that likes Oregon a lot, and they do a great job with it. This is my gut because Lanning is so good with recruiting anyway. Defensive-minded guy. Where did they get their butts kicked by, by Georgia? Up front. They need more D linemen. They need more bulk. He's 275. He's exactly what they need. He, he would play early. He fits all the boxes that Dan needs to take Oregon up. Like they're what I would call a tier two program, somewhere between five and 15 every year. But to get into that, you know, that, nat- that natural top four kind of group, it's just about recruiting. It's not like Dan didn't know right. how to coach last. He just didn't have as many good players as some of the other teams. Yeah, and I and I think this we've is seen the kind him, of guy you can do that. With. And and I think we've seen him kind of shifting that approach, not just overhauling big parts of the roster, but look at what he emphasized in his first full recruiting cycle in 2023: defensive line. You go yeah. up and down. You got you know Mateo Uyungle is the headliner, but you've got like Purchase in there. You've got Ashton Porter in there, Amari Washington, Terrence Green, like and, and there are others that. Are, are in there, and I think making that a priority is uh, is pretty darn clear, and it's clear we've got to keep on bringing back Brian Smith. His first appearance here on the show certainly won't be his last, our Locked On Recruiting Insider. Brian, thank you so much, and we will do it again soon. All right, buddy. Thank you much.
Appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.